Episode 18, Farida Amar. My name is Michael Delgado and I'm your host. I come to you each week from the fantastic library bar in the spectacular Mayfair Hotel, right here in downtown LA. Today, I'm meeting publisher Farida Omar. The consummate professional Farida is already waiting for me as I enter the bar. Clad entirely in black, her cherubic face is framed by a black mass of electrified hair. The bartender fetches her a shot of mezcal and slides my usual over to me. It's time to meet. You know Geiger's bookstore across the street? I think I may have passed You know Geiger by sight? Geiger's in his early 40s, medium height, fattish, soft all over, Charlie Chan mustache, well-dressed, wears a black hat, affects the knowledge of antiques and hasn't any, and... Oh, yes, I think his left eye is glass. Hello. 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 My guest today is Farida Amar, the publisher and force behind Sovo magazine. I hesitate to call Sovo a magazine because, as you will hear, Sovo is a unique multi-channel project that is part magazine, part artwork, part art gallery, and part tribal calling. If that sounds intriguing, it's because Farida is very much so herself. Having been a creative director for global mega agencies such as Saatchi and Leo Burnett, in their Berlin and Istanbul offices respectively, Farida brings a worldly perspective and a passion for making art outside of the world of advertising. She is also an accomplished helicopter pilot and is currently seeking her fixed-wing license as well. You're going to enjoy this interview. Please welcome Farida Amar. Okay, so welcome. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. And so no flying today? No, I didn't fly today. You did? Now, tell me about that. So you are a helicopter pilot. Mm-hmm. And this is, uh, how did this come about and why do you do that? <laughs> Flying? <laughs> well, no, flying I understand, but I, as a pilot, are you, I, I, I never got this out of you. Are you a, like a corporate I have or? a commercial license and in instrument rating in helicopters, but I'm not working as a helicopter pilot because I decided to learn fixed wing. Ah. So right now I'm doing what's called add-on ratings in planes. Right. And situation. why, are, and helicopters are just more dangerous because... Because they want to fall out of the sky all the time. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, no, no gliding. Yeah, no gliding. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. You have to fly that the whole time you're flying, with both mm-hmm. hands, both feet, eyes, ears, mouth, yeah. everything. So what's like it's the, constant work in a helicopter. What's the hottest hot rod helicopter you've flown? I flew a Bo One Hundred Five. I, I that doesn't. I asked that, you know, as if I would know. <laughs> But that was probably the coolest thing I've done so far. Is I went, that like with retractable gear? No. No, it has... The one that I flew had skids. Um, but I did a training in Camarillo Airport with mm. Chuck Aaron and Kevin Brennanbeck, who are two of the m- most successful helicopter pilots. Um, and Chuck Aaron is the only... Or was, until probably recently, because he trained a few more people, 
the only aerobatic pilot in helicopters. Mm. I think he might still be the only one with the license for aerobatics and helicopters. Yeah. yeah, and he's also an engineer, so he redesigned the rotor system to be able to handle aerobatics. Oh, my goodness. And so he's the one so that like does the upside down. Yeah. yeah, that's nice. And now he's uh, moving in. To, I want to say that he's retiring, but every time I find out what he's doing, it's like another cool new venture. So <laughs> he keeps talking about retiring, but I don't know if he ever will. Right. And he wanted to teach some people how to do it before he was done flying or he couldn't get yeah. a medical or whatever. You know, so huh. I was the 28th student that he trained to do that. To fly upside down? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, and it's, it's a... Just advanced IFR training. IFR means you can fly with zero visibility. Yeah. So when, when they do those things, you have to have the, the instinct to just read your instruments and not look outside. Because if you look outside, <laughs> you'll mess up. Yeah, for sure. So it's all just calculations and math. Upside down. Right, you're reading your instruments, <laughs> not, right. vi- not visual. So um, the training I did with him was amazing. It was in the BO-105, which is like a baby Blackhawk. Oh, cool. You know, it's yeah. like, doesn't, it's not as powerful, but it's more maneuverable. Mm-hmm. And, um, is that a jet one? Like, there's jet ones, We have right? turbine Tur- engines, yeah. but uh, this one was a turbine, and it has yeah. two engines yeah. in it. It's cool. pretty, pretty big. Was it black? It was green. Oh. Yeah, like military green. <laughs> well, he has fun. a black one now, though. <laughs> yeah. It was really fun. Well, that's um, super cool. So how did you decide to do that? I, what drew you to that? I, I, I was frustrated with art. Uh, I studied art direction and I worked as a creative director and then I started building my own company. Like I did a, a run a gallery for a while and then in different collectives. And I don't like um, when money becomes part of the dialogue between artists. You know, I think it's different when you're dealing with like a client who's not an artist. But when you're Um, working in collaborative communities with other creators, I don't want to have to charge people to collaborate and I don't want to have to pay them. I don't want money in that at all. I want it to just be us dreaming crazy things and doing stuff that you couldn't do on client work or that wouldn't work in a job situation. So you can come do the really crazy stuff with your art friends, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of the world that I've chosen to like live in, which is why I built these collectives um, and Sovo too. It's all about building platforms for creatives to play and experiment together. And I was, I never, I didn't have Sovo at the time that I started flying, but I wanted to not rely on my artwork because I wanted it all to be collaborative. Hmm. I didn't want to rely on that financially. And... I felt like I still had to because I came from doing that and I hated it. Um, and then I was talking with a friend who's a sculpture artist. She's about 20, 25 years older than me, knows a little bit more about life. And she said, well, what did you always want to be when you grow up? And I said, I wanted to be Italian. She was like, <laughs> what else did you want to be? <laughs> yeah. Everyone says that, too. They, when I was little, they would ask me, and I said, Italian. They said, you can be anything you want. I said, Italian. They were like, except that. Um, <laughs> well, what is your ethnicity? I am, my mother is Mexican Aztec uh-huh. and German. Uh-huh. And my father is uh, French Cherokee from Louisiana. Okay. Yeah. It's Creole. His mother was full-blooded Cherokee. Yes, oh, yeah. that's uh, the combination is French Cherokee, though. 
And then my mother's mother was Aztec. Is Aztec, you know, their right. whole family. And so what, did, why, what, what drew you to the Italians? I think I liked their food when I was little. Ah. And I studied language my whole life since I was little, and I liked Italian a lot. Ah. So I did end up living in Italy for a while, and I realized, yeah, I can't actually be Italian. So... <laughs> And so that dream was killed pretty young, and I learned you can't actually do everything you want, you know? Yeah, that's the reality. And then, and then she asked me, okay, well, what was the second thing you wanted to do next to it being Italian? And I said, um, I, wanted to, I always wanted to fly helicopters. Because oh. my mom had a small Cherokee 6 plane growing up, and I would often wake up in the air, because around 3 a.m. she would take me from my bed and put me in the car and then put me in the plane and then we'd fly in the morning before she went to work and I went to school. And she was flying just because she loved For it? For fun, yeah. Oh, really? She had her own little plane and she would just fly almost every morning. And I remember lots of little airports and looking uh, over the wings of her plane at all the helicopters. I was always staring at the helicopters. Huh. And I used to ask her, why can't you fly those? Why can't we take one of those? She says, no. I don't know how to fly that. Yeah. And she said, one day you can do it if you want. And so it was put in my head that I could do it right. um and so but i, I never did is your mom still alive yeah and and she's proud of you being a pilot i'm sure yeah it's a bonding That's thing i took her on a flight i was gonna say do you take her up or i took her on a flight to santa barbara recently but oh. it, it was in a diamond star a plane and uh she was backseat flying the whole time <laughs> <laughs> she was like left rudder and i was oh she was right though but it's yeah. kind of like when you learn to drive and then you have your parent in the car yeah. and they're like do this sure. and and so because my mom's also a pilot it's it's cute but it's a little yeah. annoying. it's cute for everyone else to watch so it's a <laughs> side-by-side seating she's in the back like. i had her in the back when i was flying yeah she doesn't have a current license oh I see. so she hasn't been flying in a while um but then my friend said why don't you fly helicopters then and i said you can't just fly a helicopter you have to be in the military or you have to be a policeman or something and she said no you just have to go to flight school yeah so the next day, I signed up for a flight school. Wow. And went on a flight. And, and what was that? 2015. Oh, recently. Yeah. And I started the next day. And I just went to flight school <clears throat> finished. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so from art direction, you got involved. How did you get involved in the magazine then? Or how did you decide to be a publisher? I didn't. I was finishing... I was still in helicopter training and I was doing an instrument rating full time. And um, that's the one where you learn to fly with zero visibility. And it's a quite difficult rating for most pilots and a lot of helicopter pilots don't even do the instrument rating and never do instrument operations. And it was really intense. <laughs> and I also had a really strict German instructor who was a genius and also a test pilot. So he was oh, really hard on me and I had no life. And then um, How Alan- How long does it take to get a rating like that? The instrument rating? It took me about six months mm. total. Um, yeah, and then Alan asked me to be, um, and Alan came to me and asked me to be his, to help him build this publication. No, he's unrelated to the flying and stuff. There's, there, you might, you want to back up on that, like Alan. Alan was a friend of another friend who I met at a photo conference. And then two years later, he approached me to ask if I would build this magazine with him. Okay. Basically. So, yeah. I mean, I know yeah. who Alan is. But mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and he's a he's a musician, really. Right. And then he wanted to make a magazine. Right, and he's got quite the the dossier. His music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I would say uh, he's played with a lot of the greats, and for about a decade, he was touring with Lenny Kravitz, and um, he's worked with. Um, Chaka Khan actually like discovered him when he was 18 hmm. and brought him into her label. Yeah, he's kind of always been around really great musicians, I think, yeah. in his life. And um, he wanted to make a magazine, and he didn't know the design programs, or he wasn't a designer, he's a musician. Right. So yeah. he needed someone and to actually make you, it. We've been talking a lot about planes and helicopters, but you are... Quite actually, I love your design work, and you're you are a fantastic designer. And Thank you. Been, so, but that and that was the yeah. When he asked, he came to, to my house and asked me because he had seen my previous work, and I told him no. Wisely, um, a few different reasons. the The first immediate reason was that I was really dedicated to finishing my instrument writing, um, and that kind of training requires all of your attention because every single day you're actually getting in a helicopter and flying it blind and if you mess up you die so uh, you might want to concentrate yeah it's really serious and um you take that stuff seriously because you can't you can't make mistakes in that rating and I didn't have the bandwidth to do that full-time, which I was already dedicated to doing, and then take on a whole publication. And I have already, before, run publications and done um, collectives and ran a gallery. And did, like, I know what production looks like and how it would take over my whole life. Yeah, for sure. It wasn't the yeah. kind of thing where you could work on it like three hours a week or yeah. even half days, three days a week. Like, that wouldn't work. I knew this would be yeah. really yeah. demanding of me, and I didn't have the time. So that was my first answer. And then he told me, he left, he told me, came back. Um, he said, well, what if we only do it on your schedule and I don't interrupt the helicopter stuff? And I'm like, okay, so we'll never have a magazine, but okay. <laughs> then I finally brought up the other concerns I had, which was I asked him, how long have you been talking about doing this? He said, three years. Mm. And I said, have you made anything? He said, no. And I said, I'm really not, I, okay, I barely have time to do this, and I'm not interested in doing a vanity project or working with the idea of it. I need to actually, if I'm going to make the time to do it and carve out time to do it, we need, it needs to actually happen. Right. Right. And having sat on this idea for three years and not done anything about it makes me feel like you're one of many people that I've met with really great ideas who don't have the dedication to follow through when it right. gets hard or, what, you know. And he said, well, no, the only reason I haven't done it is because I haven't met someone like you, and I need someone like you to actually right. make it happen. And I said, okay, I'll think about it again. So then I thought about it again. And he, originally his idea was to make a zine, mm. yeah, like a cheap one or even a free one. Sure. And I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I did the yeah. zine thing when I was younger. Yeah, you know, sure. Everyone did, I think, when you discover punk music, you start making zines. That's just what happens if you're a designer. <laughs> and so I've already done the zine thing, and I didn't want to do that anymore. And I, I'm at a point in my life where I need things to be functional and adding up to something now. I can, I'm not doing like just vanity projects that aren't going anywhere. So I like to make the fun, crazy, experimental stuff still, but I like to take it seriously and develop it into something right. that's viable. So... I thought about it, and then I met with him again, and I said, okay, um, the only way that I'm going to do this is if it's, 
experimental in format and it's well made um, I want like offset press I want handmade aspects of it I want the kind of um, bespoke feeling where it's like yeah collectible limited edition and it's really expensive I was yeah. like well it would be I mean all of the all of the above you check those boxes yeah I told him it's going to be expensive has, to make it has to be that way. and it's going to be expensive to buy it and it's going to be hard to do or or I'm not doing it because I've done the smaller affordable things and I don't think that really will build something that adds up to what I'm looking for and what I'd actually like to provide for artists. So I want like offices, I want studios, I want materials, I want the right kind of cameras, I want to buy them lenses, I want gear, I want like a whole operation that's actually functioning like a system and I want a real company if we're going to do it or I'm not doing it. Right. Um, And he said, okay, well, how much is that going to (laughs) cost? I said, year one will be easily $100,000, maybe $200,000 to make it. Yeah. For how many issues were you thinking? That was, it was supposed to, he wanted quarterly. Right. I said, that's going to be a nightmare for you, but I'm down if you're willing to pay for all of it. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. And at the time he, he agreed to pay for all of it. And then I thought about it again. I still hadn't said yes. I just kept figuring out where he was at and what he was willing to do. And I realized it's really a gift to have someone see you and also admire you, your work, and trust, want to trust you with an idea and then also be willing to fund it completely for you to be able to be free creatively. Yeah. That's, and that's something that that's I think artists rare, look for yeah. their whole life. Right, yeah. There's very few people supporting living artists like that now, today. Um, it's not the kind of thing that you just walk away from because it would be hard to do right. when someone offers you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a big opportunity for me to be able to actually build a thing that I believed in that could become financially viable and sustainable over time mm. and provide resources for artists that I believe in. All right, so let's talk about the magazine then. I mean, there's a little bit of the genesis, and, and, and we'll cover I will have covered this slightly in the intro. But um, so if you talk about the magazine in general, other than that it's you know beautiful and how it's been done, but its mission and where you are with it now. Well, the mission hasn't changed. I love it. It's really just learn more about who you already are is kind of at the heart of everything we're doing it's what the artists are doing in Sovo and it's also what our stories are about in the publication and what our readers will experience when they engage with the work so there's many ways to discover yourself there's no right way to do that right so it's different for everyone and the whole ethos of the magazine is to encourage people to do whatever that is and um by looking inward and also accepting even like the awful parts of yourself and the things that scare you and the things that are like maybe evil mm. and getting to know <laughs> all your darkness too, including the good stuff. Um, and you start to realize, oh, this is who I really am. And this is also what I really want. And this is how I want to live. And when you start clearing uh, out other people's opinions and thoughts and you start really listening to your own inner voice, then you're able to attract things to you, 
right? The right kind of stuff starts coming around mm -hmm. naturally because right. you've made yourself available for it. And that's what Curate Your Life means, which is kind of our tagline for the whole yeah. brand. It's about just living true to yourself and how things around you will begin to arrange to facilitate that if you're not conflicted. Right. So we looked at it from many different perspectives. Like we approached how others have done this through uh, philanthropy, how they've done it through music. The second issue is about um, fine artists and craftsmen and also business people working in fine art. And then the third issue is about women in the music industry. And we talked to musicians, but also engineers and PR representatives working in music. And then we did recently sexuality and gender identity, which is another defining thing about how we see ourselves. And the one we're working on now is entrepreneurship, which you're featured in. And the journey of like creating something from nothing teaches you a lot about who you are yeah, and yeah. helps build character. So we're looking at it through that lens now that we're doing architecture and design, which is about how our built environment frames our understanding of self. So I'm sure like you feel different in different cities, right? Yeah. Like if you visit Barcelona, you feel different than you do when you're in LA. Yeah. So there is something about our constructed, built and designed in spaces mm -hmm. and how they influence us um, and our relationship to them, urban planning and how that all works and oh. how we use them. So and that's the next issue though. That's issue six. Yeah. And we're, we're finishing the year on an issue that's just titled Existence. Yeah. Uh, and that one we're talking with philosophers and scientists. Right. And talking about how we measure and evaluate yeah. no, our okay. perception well, of our existence. I'm a huge fan. This is quite well, Alan left. Now. And he was not a writer, yeah. which he will agree with. He wanted to make a magazine and he wanted to be the editor-in-chief but he didn't have any formal writing training so when he left the publication and we continued um virginia rand and vanessa DeHorsey stepped in and they're both nyu yeah trained amazing, yeah. it's very serious writers who are dedicated to it with the whole slew of mentors around them and they're writers writers like they wake up every morning and work on their voice you know yeah no, they care impressive. about spelling things that gets them excited <laughs> we just started a writer's residency oh. that um virginia the the new associate editor started and the writer we were hanging out with the writers and i went to help with production just to, like cook them food in between their workshops and writers are so interesting we were outside and i asked one of them what gets you really excited about life? She goes, spelling bees. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, she's just, I mean, these people are writers. Like, they yeah. love words. It's That's their favorite thing. Funny. And yeah. um, visual artists are not like that, you know? We're riddled with typos, and we don't care as long as you kind of understand what we're saying. <laughs> we'll use body language instead if you don't get it, you know? Yeah. And it's really cool to start working with uh, really serious writers who are taking the time to develop their mm -hmm. craft with us. Yeah, no, it, it, I was very impressed with the last issue, um, and, uh, and then the 3.5 that you got on. So the 3.5, that's not an issue, it's... A half, we call them half issues. So we have the quarterly publications that are printed and not online, but later we'll release a few articles from them. But uh, those happen every three months or so, and then twice a year we have half issues. So we have issue one and a half, two and a half, three and a half now. And we're going to start four and a half. 
probably tomorrow because we just finished three and a half. <laughs> and um, the half issues is kind of a philanthropic wing of Sobo where I pick two of our visual artists who are contributing and help them develop a series and a solo show. And then we produce and fund the whole production of their solo show. Hmm. The half issues have no format requirements. So the whole... And they're on, entirely online. No. No. Oh. oh, no. Did you see the book that we printed? For I the half it. issue? No. Okay. We published Sorry, a book. I, I, I should have brought it. I didn't yeah. think about it. Uh, we did publish a book of Milana's work. We don't always publish books, though. So the half issues for me are really important because when I was developing as an artist, I didn't have anyone to come to me and say, what are your dreams and how can I make them happen for you? Right. right. And I want to do that for people. So we start with nothing. We start with no, no rules, no expectations. And I just ask the artist, what is the thing that you always wanted to do that you didn't think anyone would let you do? Because mm -hmm. if you want to do normal stuff, you can do that with a lot of other people. You can sure. go get gallery representation and do it somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. What's the crazy thing that is your dream yeah. for years that you've been afraid to say out loud or that you wouldn't trust other people with or you think you're going to be judged for or you'll never have enough money to do it? Right? Tell me what that is. And then I don't sleep and try to make it happen for them. Right. And yeah. they still make all the work, but I do the production part. So if they need 17 hot air balloons, I get them. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's really fun for me to just kind of go down the rabbit hole of a visual artist that I respect's like kind of daydream. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. And we do have to make a thing that we can sell that is actually the half issue. So people can have a conversation piece to take home from that experience, but it doesn't even have to be printed. So um, it could be food, it could be anything they design. Yeah. It could be shoes, it could be. Mm -hmm. our, our two and a half was tapestries and t-shirts. And when you wore the shirt in front of her mural, it would make you look like you're inside of it. <laughs> and that was her half issue. So you could buy the tapestry and you buy the shirt. Right. Um, John Franco did a, for one and a half, he did a series of 21 paintings and he just wanted prints of those paintings in a black archival box. So there's just loose leaf prints of his work. Um, Milana wanted a coffee table book, so we did that for her. But uh, the next one is for Andrew Perez and I don't know what he's going to want. Right. He might just design a jacket people can wear or whatever. Yeah. So there's, uh, you know, Hans Oldbricks. Mm -hmm. or Oldbrick, yeah. So he, that's his thing too. It's like he goes to these monster artists and says, "What do you want to do?" <laughs> well, I'm a so, baby version of that. Right. Yeah. No. I, yeah. So. Well, there's a real problem I think in the art world with the gallery system, and it's a problem also for gallerists. It's not working for the artists, and it's not working for most of the gallerists, unless they're playing the blue chip art thing at auctions regularly. Their galleries are also in danger all the time, and the artists are giving now in LA about 50% of all their sales to gallerists. Yeah. Um, and they have to compete against each other in order to get the opportunity to even do it, which creates a really unhealthy environment <laughs> because artists should be working together 
mm-hmm. but everything is like scraps that they're fighting for now. Like everyone applies for the same grant. Right. And it's like two thousand right. dollars and only one person gets it. And then yeah. they all hate each other because <laughs> You know, but they pretend to be happy for each other. But it creates this, like, really kind of dog-eat-dog situation, and I don't like that. So I just give them all the thing, all of it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and then all the other artists in Sovo also kind of rally and help that person because they're going to have their own solo show, and it's not a competition. It's not like there can only be one. So... You know, and they don't have to worry about money. I don't grant them money. I just pay for all of it. Yeah, yeah. So they don't have to even think about that. They don't even have to think about a budget. It's not in their mind. I want them to get past that so they can just play. Right, right, right. And um, it's really amazing to see what can come out of these people when you when they're given permission. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, if you lift the economic restraints, then yeah. I mean, I mean within reason. I'm not a... I was going to say multimillionaire, I, but like right. a, a lot of them, it's so sad because you tell them like, what do you really want? And they're like, I don't know. Most artists are like, I don't know. Cause no one's even asked them ever. Sure. Everyone gives them like requirements and criteria and like submit three pieces by this day and this dimension or whatever, you know, no one is just asking, what do you want? Mm. Even in art school and asking, what do you want? They're saying, this is what's due by this time. Right? <laughs> right. And in the industry, it's also just tasks and assignments and deadlines and, even the the things we apply for, like these residency programs, they all have rules and criteria and expectations. So then they meet with me and I'm like, what do you want to do? And they haven't even asked themselves that in years. Right. Huh. So it takes them time to even, for me to like open them up and get them to stop worrying about whether or not it's possible and actually start believing that anything's possible again. Yeah. And that for me is like the real beauty of doing it. Right. And and so and that's the three and a half, or the half the half issues. I can only do those twice a year because we still have the quarterly publication, and then the online publication. And I'm like one person. And then, so, but the, the <laughs> online though is it, it it it's it's also quarterly, right? Or you no, that's all the time. Anytime there's an, an interesting go. article that some one of our writers wants to write or something we find that we want to cover, we'll do it on the website because mm-hmm. they don't always fit the themes of the quarterly publications right all right so how is the economic i mean obviously you say you're not the multimillionaire. so no i'm not how is the what's the, i'm not even a millionaire <laughs> <laughs> well don't tell anyone that no they can know no, that I'm just kidding. we need so, help we need investors <laughs> yeah so i was just where's the sustainability piece in this where do you okay so one of my things when i first started was a I thought about what kind of thing would we have to make and what would need to happen in order for it to actually work before I even agree to do this. And so part of asking Alan in the beginning for the fine art publication and limited editions and this certain design aesthetic that was experimental in format and this bright colors and all the stuff that we're doing, that was because I realized, okay, I don't have three to five years to dedicate to something that's not working. Because I'm 32 now. I'm not 21, 22, where I'm just willing to just try it forever. And I'm down to throw myself into it completely, but I need to know that it's going somewhere. So I thought that if we make something different and loud and not following any rules, 
and not trying to fit in or compete in the industry at all. That is a separate experience altogether. It's not exactly an art book. It's not exactly a magazine. It's not exactly a zine. It's not really an installation or a show or an exhibit, but it's, you know, there's something different where it's like a Venn diagram where those things intersect. The marketing person in me was like, if I can make something unique enough and bold enough and confident enough, it may attract someone who would be excited about having something new and different that they haven't seen before presented to them. So now we are, we've completed the first four, which is what I needed to have in order to present Sovo to distributors because we're telling them we're quarterly. Right. And we can't be new and also not even have four when you're saying you're quarterly. <laughs> so we needed to get through year one. We had sure. to complete four so I can show them that we can do it. And they all had to be bold. And someone still has to take a risk on us because we're new and it's experimental. But everyone doing this is not new at doing yeah. this thing. We're just putting it in a package that's new. So they have to decide to trust us based on our past life experience and also be excited about the direction that this publication is taking that's different than other art publications. Right. So then it becomes a game of numbers. Like, we'll probably have to apply to a lot and not everyone will want it, you know? Yeah. But I'd really like to have a distributor pick us up because then they'll help with the sales yeah. for us and getting it out for us. Yeah, it seems to me, I, and I think we talked about this off uh, out of here, but it um, uh, seems to me like it's a real subscription kind of a model. Really. I'm, I'm open to that. Yeah, because um, distributors and where you put it, I mean, the, um, at the price point that you have, it's it's uh, needs to be in. It, it can't be in bookstores. I mean, I it have can be it. in. I yeah. have it, but mm-hmm. I you know when I show it. You know, it's it's, it's a jewel, and uh, it needs I think to be, you know, in high end luxury end of things. I'm not sure where that is, but um, and so I I don't know that a, a traditional distributor is who you really need I think maybe the whole well, there's thing a lot of ma- you see there's an interesting um, resurgence of this kind of mag not your magazine but uh, actual physical magazines um, but they're not done in the traditional distribution way so um, so for example Netflix is now producing a hard copy magazine mm-hmm. um, and and their purpose for it is 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 uh, is twofold. One is, um, you know, they're they're trying to keep all this talent in there, and they you know it's part of their negotiation, so they can say like, oh well, if you come with us and do this, we'll put you on the cover of the magazine, and mm. you know, and they just go and buy the slots that are in the you know where the uh, inquirer is at checkout, right? Mm-hmm. So. Um, so it's part of a whole other reason for that. Uh, likewise, Airbnb has a, a, a thing out mm-hmm, now. Yeah. And then there's a number of fashion magazines that have hard copy magazines because, um, you know, it's about building the tribe. And so I think, you know, aligning with the, the you know, somebody appropriate to, you know, wants to be associated with the arts and, the, and, and your curatorial mission 
would probably be the way to go. Yeah. We're going to have to figure that out. That's where we're at now. Because now yeah. we finished four. Right. So I can show them a whole set of a quarterly yeah. publication. Yeah, no, no, no. And, so and, and, we're yeah, putting you've got a lot of great stuff to show for sure. We do now. We have three of the half issues done and we have four of the whole issues done. And um, the website is okay. It's going to be constantly in development, I'm mm -hmm. sure. I need to... Looks great. Work on right. it forever. But it's there <laughs> and it's working. Uh, and... And now I feel like we're ready to start talking to people, even if we, yeah. I think that we're not going to know what's going to work until we get into community. We have to, we will prepare all the documents so we can present things to people professionally, yeah. but we're going to be adapting those and we're going to be learning because nothing about this whole journey has been normal. Right. Even the printers are like, you're doing what? <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> yeah, 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 how do yeah. we get this done for, well, how do we even give you an estimate on what this is going to cost? You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we always add other things, like we have inserts, we have that, in the music issue, we have a USB with an original audio track on it that's kind of cut together from all the interviews with the women. Right. We have um, inserts that are posters that are offset press and they fold and they're all signed. And then we have all these additional, like, in it, aside from just the weird format, things that we stick in to the magazine. We had like handwritten letters and envelopes for the cover of issue two yeah. that were hand painted. Each one was different. So there's a, there is a learning about even the plastic boxes, the fabricators who are working with us to make those are like, how is this a magazine? We don't yeah. understand. You know, so I had to like drive there and bring them yeah, with the printed can, thing yeah. so they can understand what's happening. But um, all of it has been interesting and fun to explain to other people and it doesn't really make any sense to anyone until they see it finished right and then they're like oh this is what you were doing right and so i think that the growth of the company will probably feel like that too where we're, we'll see a way to work with someone that we maybe never would have thought could have worked and learn oh this actually is the right way yeah you know well it's super cool i, I really well, when we, you, you know, came to the book fair, participated by book fair like a year ago, right? And uh, watching what you've done since has been great. And um, I love what you're doing. I want to help for sure. Thank you. We need it. <laughs> yeah, we want to work with people. I mean, I think it's also kind of a natural filter. Like the stiff, boring, conservative business people don't really like us anyway. Mm. Like I don't even think they'd sit down to talk to us. Just when they see the box, they'd run away. So, so I think it's kind of already setting the tone for innovators to contact us just from the product itself. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, positioning it for some sort of alignment like that, um, like I said, with, you know, the Netflix and the Airbnbs and the luxury clothing companies that are doing this now, um, is they really are trying to differentiate from the Instagram yeah, we're not really big on Instagram. If people go to our Instagram, they just see kind of like family photos of us dancing in the kitchen. <laughs> That's how our Instagram works. And I'm okay with that. I like it. And yeah, but I'm saying, but, you yeah. know, but I'm saying like people who are trying to, you know, you know, make a point about what it is they're doing and, the, you know, the missions of what you're trying to do, curating your life, and which is a great, great tagline for somebody to latch on to. Something interesting is happening, though, with that. I mean, when we moved everything into completely analog photography mm -hmm. for the publication, so we only shoot film now, 
and we shoot 35, 120, and 4x5, and we're moving to 8x10 now. And we also do instant, and we do 16 millimeter, and we do super 8. So we're, and oh, we added VHS on the last issue. That's super 8. Yeah. So we're, we're shooting film only and getting really heavy into it, and there's no digital images in Sovo anymore. And there's something very precious about that. Um, the artistry that goes into film sh- filmmaking and then also the work in the dark room that they all do and um, all of the, even just the retouching and, you know, spotting that they do after. And then when you have the final image, the last thing you want to do is put it on Instagram. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, yeah, no, this needs to be on a wall in a gallery or it needs to be printed and published, right? Like, this is artwork that took a lot of time to make that someone put their energy into substantially, not just, right. like with a digital camera shot some things and left in 15 minutes. This is something that our photographers spend two to four weeks on getting their editorial images back to me because they're in the dark room fixing it or retouching it and then scanning it at the end. So that whole process requires us to be really thoughtful about how to release things. We've been trying to figure out the balance where we're like, okay, we don't want to put this even on our website. People need to buy the magazine to see these because yeah. yeah. work that was put into it. Or, you know, we exhibit, we do exhibitions for every magazine release now, and we show the photography on a wall in something like a white wall gallery space. It feels appropriate. Then we send the photos to the people we photograph. So then we know they're going to put it on their Instagrams. But we wait until after. Yeah, it's at no, least been that's, exhibited that's once. That's great. Yeah, for sure. So there's a balance between, like, the technology and the analog conversation happening at Sovo and not putting everything out everywhere. But then when people come to our shows, they realize, like, oh... This is like an intimate moment that I'm not going to get from going to their website or I'm not going to get from their Instagram or like I'm seeing things here that I wouldn't. And then it's gone. It's like Milana's show is down now. Yeah. So if well, you want to see those pictures again, yeah. you have to buy the book or you have to wait until she exhibits it in the future. Right. So there is a privacy that cre- like is created with yeah, the people well, who get to see it, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of in real life. Yeah, we had to go. I had to go there. You know, film is so beautiful, and I don't know if anything replaces it. No, that's fantastic. It's so. fantastic. All right, so the next issue is the entrepreneur issue, mm-hmm. and that is when it comes out in June. Ah. it's the second quarter of the year for us. So we do March, June, September, and then November, December. All right, depending. Yeah, the entrepreneurship issue has been really in- interesting for us. We're learning a lot of things from talking with you and the others <laughs> that are featured in it. The, there's things that, even though you all have different businesses, you know, like we did a horse farm, we did a helicopter company, we did a restaurant, we did bookstores, we did, you know, galleries. It's so all different business models, really, but the things that everyone is saying and the kind of process they've been through in order to get to where they are there's like patterns that are emerging and it's very interesting Hmm. um and we're all learning a lot and i think anyone who can who will read it and experience it will learn a lot too yeah the through line is madness yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah you're on to something because the format is going to be a bit of that yeah this time yeah yeah. well yeah you have to just do you have you can't think about it you know like you're doing with the magazine it's like something you want to do you got to do it well there's something happening here also with you with the podcast and then the bookstore and then your other work as a as a creative director as well and then also wanting to do curating for places like this 
that is what's happening with everyone. They have, they're multifaceted people. They're dynamic. Yeah, yeah. No one is only doing one thing. Even the guy running the coffee shop that we interview is also an interior architect. You know, yeah. so the coffee shop doesn't make enough money one month. And yeah, he's no, everybody's makes, he does got another the job and so business card for sure. Our record store is adding a cafe now in the record store. Right. You know, so I know I toyed with that actually putting a coffee shop in the bookstore. There's, I think there's something about multitasking and about um, adapting and exploring, mm -hmm. having thing, one thing feed into another thing and having it cycle back around. So mm -hmm. all of the people who have attracted us to, to invite them to be in this issue because they're doing something that we love. So we asked, invited you to be in it. Um, they're all doing multifaceted business models that are, none of them are just simple, straightforward, one thing. Right. So that was really cool to see as something that's like, we're building an experimental format that's kind of all over the place too. And so it's nice to see that that can work, you yeah. know, and that yeah, it works yeah. for other people. So, for sure. um, yeah, you got to be interested in a lot of things to make one thing good. <laughs> yes, yeah. it's true. Don't quit the day job, I think is the term. Or have seven day jobs. <laughs> right. Or have seven day jobs. Ideally, all of which don't have an office. <laughs> right? Perfect. Yeah, and you get to work outside. Anything else you want to add? No. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. It was fun. You've been listening to A.G. Geiger Presents, Tales from the L.A. Art Underworld. My guest today was Sovo Magazine publisher and creative director, Farida Amar. You can learn more about Farida and her amazing magazine slash art project at sovomagazine.com. That's S-O-B like Victor, O-magazine.com. We have some photos and links up on aggeiger.com too. A.G. Geiger Presents is produced by me, Michael Delgado, in conjunction with the Mayfair Hotel and the music and artist management company, Regime 72, and A.G. Geiger Fine Art Books. Please check us out at MayfairLA.com, Regime72.com, and of course, at A.G. Geiger.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>